0: He asked me if he could uh, flash you while we were doing the show, and I was like, "If
1: he could flash me, well, no, if he
0: could flash me to you."
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm like, I I don't think we need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I give my consent for all of it. Kat would
0: like to see your tits. That's really what it comes down to.
2: This shirt is so tight. I don't. It would take me half the episode to even get a nipple out.
0: It would. Connor's on testosterone now, so he's getting bigger and working out more because he feels better and his hormones are more balanced. And so now he's buying tighter clothes.
2: No, 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 This is an extra large. It just is small. It's a very small. I just pulled the tag off.
0: It's a it's medium extra large. Yeah, I was pretty
2: unhappy with how tight the arms are like jeez like i don't I think but i think like guys want to look jacked with like really tight sleeves yes which is cool but like if you're actually a large human it like doesn't really work for you uh-huh so the short sleeve shirt yeah <laughs> i don't want to be like that shirt. it's nice yeah. but i also wear these like henley's underneath stuff a lot so i was like well it'll work we'll be fine
0: no oh, douche bro of him
2: whatever dude don't
0: hate <laughs> <laughs> uh cat we're so happy to have you we've been waiting for uh- this
1: It's my pleasure. You know, it's been a buildup for sure.
0: I've just been over
1: here like, Oh, I'm waiting for them myself to be on their (laughs) their podcast.
0: (laughs) We had a dope conversation on your show a couple months ago. That was really fun. Um, and we got into some really cool topics and it got me thinking about what I wanted to to chat with you about today. And I think you have a really cool perspective, um, that we've never really had on the show before you have studied this, um, this space and sex and sexuality and spirituality and the the kind of the way you can bring it all together to experience really deep fulfillment. And you've done that in your professional life as well as your personal life. So experiencing non-monogamy, alternative relationships and the way that's affected you, but also the way you've seen it with your clients and in your programs and your retreats. Um, so I would love to hear kind of your approach to non-monogamy and how you've seen it from both the lens of Practitioner and professional, and your
1: personal life. Oh, God. Ooh, my whole body just got tingly. This is like my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. So, non monogamy. So, just to speak to uh, uh, the audience, non monogamy is uh, essentially the umbrella term for relationships that don't fit under the traditional sense of monogamy, which is you and another person in a closed container, sexually, intimately, primarily emotionally as that, that's your person that you go to for most emotional things. Um, I tend to, it's so interesting as I've dove into this, I've been studying this for years clinically and then personally. Um, and it's interesting to see when you say non-monogamy, the schemas or the images and the expectations that, that activate in people. So when I used to, I used to identify as non-monogamous. And then when I was dating, everybody would come with this predetermined idea of what I was talking about or what that meant for me. And so it was already setting myself up to be perceived as as this particular person or these particular desires. Same thing. We hear polyamory or we hear swingers and we assume that it means something specific, but then we all have as individuals, different definitions. Um, different ways that we identify. Similarly, we are all very dynamic humans that fluctuate from time to time that have different needs from time to time. And so how we identify with one way may not be accurate to what we need in two weeks or in a year. So I've (laughs) deconstructed my own identity around this concept and really come to um, determine that I I just lead with the identity of non-traditional. And so that gives me so much space to define for myself because the people don't tend to have a schema for that. And so they'll be like, oh, what do you mean by non-traditional? Tell me more about that. And then I can explain more uh, eloquently <laughs> what that means. And it gives me the permission to be able to be dynamic. So with that, uh, you know, I'm saying these terms, uh, polyamory Um, tends to be more of this, this idea of being able to have more than one relationship, being in love with more than one person. Um, But even with that, there's like a spectrum of what that means. So how do we, and do we have full on partnerships with other people? Do we have a a hierarchy of this is my, my go-to person, my primary person, but then I have these other people that I engage sexually with or emotionally with, or You you see how, when I'm starting to explain this, it even gets murky because it's like everybody can be something different. And to me, that gives us permission to be able to, uh, yeah, define for ourselves what's accurate for us. So I personally believe, and I work with people of the entire spectrum of relationships, that there is no one style of relationship that's more, you know, quote unquote evolved or more Uh, what we're supposed to be as humans evolutionarily designed for, whatever, bullshit. It's about identifying what is right for us. So cultivating the skill of discernment to be able to determine what we need as individuals and as a partner unit so that we can create the relationship that's right for us Um, as a win-win and not a win-lose or as a shaming, like I have to be poly or non-traditional in order to be more evolved spiritually or this, that, or the other. (laughs) That's where it gets complicated. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's where it gets really complicated. I actually had a friend uh, yesterday reach out to somebody I've known an internet friend for a long time and they're like discussing this kind of non-monogamy situation. And the dude is definitely pushing for it more than she is, but she said something that Kelly actually says a lot too. It's like, oh, well he's so much farther ahead of me in this. And I was like, well, It's a, it's, a, it's a common language thing, but it's like, it's not really a race. Like you're not, where are you trying to get to? Like, I don't understand. Like, what is, what is he ahead of you to, you know what I mean? Like he's ahead of you into to wanting to fuck other people, I guess, which is a thing, but it doesn't mean it's not a value proposition in the same way right. where it's like, it's not about getting to a place, getting to a place of more enlightenment or being more uh, uh, conscious. So you can now. Mm-hmm you know more abundance of love because of your consciousness that now you can spread it it's like all this languaging shit is around this thing it's real real tricky and then you get in a situation too where if you don't it's a it's a it's high level manipulation like if you don't do the thing well then if it fails it's because you weren't conscious enough or evolved enough to maintain it so you lose on both ends like if it doesn't work out you then lose somebody, but it wasn't because it wasn't a good fit. It was because you weren't enough of something. And I feel like that, that's a, such a slippery, tricky slope that people get in where it becomes your inherent value as a person, if you care about spirituality or whatever, is now tied into you being stuck in a situation that maybe isn't right for you uh, because you think that it's, um, it's a, a display of, of your own growth
1: right right and what we don't understand that we're doing there is we're unconsciously putting pressure on somebody to 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 override themselves override what's authentic and override the the sense of their nervous system why are we telling somebody who's who's feeling uh who's feeling threatened or feeling their bodies contract why are we telling them oh you're just insecure you know you need to get over that or you need to stop (laughs) being jealous which is asking everybody to be, or asking the person to be uh, superhuman or asking them to reject their, this beautiful human condition that way that we live in. You know, I hear that a lot where people will ask me, okay, so you're non-traditional. Does that mean that you never get jealous? And I'm like, no, it's not that I don't get jealous. It's that I sit with the jealousy. I feel it in my body. I get curious about that jealousy. What does it need from me? What is it perceiving?" in the environment? What is it picking up that I may not be uh, cognitively aware of, but I'm somatically aware of? And then let me see what that is, being compassionate with that, and then invite that into a conversation. So I actually see this whole experience of, of our human emotions as tools to be able to help us discern better and to be able to help us to better create the relationships that we need. When jealousy is welcome into the relationship, when fear, when insecurity, when when um, anxiety is welcome into the relationship, then we can actually make a relationship that's a sustainable. and B, I can be fully authentic and celebrated in rather than, uh, you know, pressured to be the quote unquote, perfect poly partner <laughs> just to just to, you know, make it work or make the other person happy. I think that's a, that's a trap that I see often, you know, where a couple will uh, come into my office and either be curious about wanting to expand their relationship or they've done it, shit hit the fan. And then they come in to help me (laughs) fix it for them. Uh, But this pressure on one person to have to make this work or have to show up in a way that this doesn't bother me. This isn't You know, yeah, I'm so open and easy and fluid with this, but then their body is just contracted and, and, um, pained and they don't, but they don't want to be vulnerable in sharing that because they're afraid either that their partner's going to leave them, their partner's going to reject them, um, or that they're not being a supportive partner. And I don't think that that's, we all have a right to have a relationship that we can be authentic and that we want to be in. So when you're setting it up like that, um, we you're denying that you have needs as well, just as much as your partner. And it's almost like we go into the relationships with this expectation that um, our needs are going to be in order to have both of our needs met. They have to be balanced. So, okay, he goes out with her. That means I, I have to have somebody to go out with or I need to be dating or. Okay, they're they can have penetration. I feel okay with them having penetration, but but then they, I they're not letting me have penetration. And then we get into this, well this is just isn't fair. Well taking fairness out of the equation, relationships aren't going to be quote-unquote fair. You're only going to set yourself up for disaster. But if you instead look at finding balance in your needs not as symmetrical, but as asymmetrical, meaning that Your partner may have more sensitivities around this and may need more of a slower pace than you do. So at the start, the needs are going to be different. And that's to be able to support the individuality of the needs and the fears and the insecurities that you both have. The wounds that you both have, both of those need to be held and considered versus us being like, oh, well, you're doing that. Then I can do this or whatever.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love the way you just described that. I think it's so important to understand that. And I've been, you know, Connor is the go with the flow. This is cool. I don't give a fuck, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. fuck bitches get money as he likes to say. Um, and so he's just kind of riding the wave. Whereas I have been extremely insecure, extremely uncomfortable. I have hated many moments of being uh non-monogamous because it's super yeah. uncomfortable for me sometimes. And so I'm wondering, when you have, and I'm sure that's pretty common. I talk to a lot of, especially women who deal with that. It's like the worth mm. conversation. And is he going to leave me? Is he going to like her better? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious with you, something that I've had to really work on and I still am today is there's the jealousy that we sit with and we feel it in our bodies. Mm. and, And then there's the is it, am I jealous? And is this uncomfortable and wrong? And I don't want to do it. And that's a hard no, or am I jealous? And I get to sit with that. And then I get to expand out of it and really experience the desire and the play that I want Mm -hmm. to. I think that's where it's been super hard for me. And a lot of people I've talked to is like, you get to that point and you're not sure which way you're going. Is this like bad? And I'm not listening to my body and the red flags, or is this just really fucking uncomfortable and new? (laughs) And I get to sit with it and see what else is out there.
1: Oh God, that's so good. Yeah. The nuance of our somatic experience, right? So our body is constantly speaking to the environment and it's picking up cues of danger, threat, or safety. And so with that, you know, these cues are determined a lot of times by our past experiences. So, um, or in the present, you know, present environment. So we can be picking up cues from another person. Oh, she's a cowgirl. And cowgirl means a single person who comes in to try to rope your partner out of the relationship. Oh, that's cute. I've never heard that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Learned that one in my first relationship years ago. (laughs) Yeah. So there were times in that relationship, I'll speak for myself, where my nervous system was like, you know, all the alarms. And I was like, I don't think she wants to have a non-monogamous relationship. I'm picking up that she doesn't. And my partner was. Very dismissive of that, and saying, no. She's saying that she she loves you and all this stuff. And so I was sitting with these feelings of like, okay, maybe there's this is just my insecurity. This is my issues. I have to work on this. I have to. And I dove into the work around that, and then found out, you know, two months later that that's exactly what was happening. And she pulled him out of the relationship and then locked it. and And I couldn't even be friends with them after that even though I, you know, attempted to. So I think it's really important for us to not dismiss our own experience and our own feelings and, but to get curious with them, to see, okay, what is here? What am I noticing? Is this a familiar feeling? Have I felt this before in past relationships? Have I felt this before in my youth? Um, And then allowing it to have space there and how your partner responds to those feelings if they're dismissing them, if they're minimizing them, if they're telling you that you're too sensitive, if they're telling you that um that nothing is going going on, that's a red flag. That needs to be something to tune into because we don't want to make you wrong while also we don't have to give the the part of us that's feeling the insecurity or the jealousy the steering wheel of the car either. So I do think it's important to be able to allow the permission for all these feelings to be there and have the compassion for them Um, while also using a skill of uh, negotiation with your partner. And I love breaking down negotiation into a couple of um, easy pieces to make it more accessible for people because a lot of times you go into these relationships or any relationship truthfully or any sexual experience too. Many of us will go into it And have the dialogue with the partner with the person first to determine what it is that we want, and we don't realize that when we go into the the conversation um, without already sitting with our own self and understanding what these three components are for our own self, we're already setting ourselves to a disadvantage of not being able to have either the sex life or the relationship or the situation that we want, Uh, because many of us can make our decisions based through another person instead of what we actually need and want and, and limits of ourselves. So what's authentic, um, people, pleasers, people who have a tendency for people pleasing or people who are very sensitive to the needs of others or people who are great at anticipating the needs of others can fall into that, that, uh, trap or vulnerability. So mm. for negotiation, important to first know, looking at the particular situation, uh, what is your personal, uh, desired outcome? Like, how would you want to see this, this unfold just you and your own energy, identify that if you don't have that, then you're setting yourself up already for potential self uh, abandonment because you may be waiting for the other person to say something and then base your decision around that. So that's where, where it's important to establish that first, then identify what your boundary is. And a boundary is your availability availability of energy, time, resources, um, emotional availability, uh, and then no more. So that's the fence. That's the limit. That's the hard line. If you cross that, it feels like self abandonment in your body. It feels like a self betrayal in your body. But if you honor that, if you, if that's honored, then you can more easily navigate the third part, which is edge. Edge is a point of negotiation. You can lean into edge and it may be uncomfortable, but it's not crossing your boundary and your limit, which would feel again like a betrayal. So it, it would, this would be, oh, this is uncomfortable. I've never experienced this before, but I know that I'm not leaving myself. And I know that this is okay, even though it's uncomfortable. So in negotiation, we're seeking a win-win. We're not ever seeking a win-lose nobody's supposed to lose in their relationship. Of course, there's times where we make mistakes and things happen and, and, and then we have to renegotiate. <laughs> oh, maybe that didn't feel as good as I, you know, as I was hoping to. But we never want to go into it with a win-lose. And so that way both people feel supported, both people feel understood and seen and held. A strong holding container is critical for non-traditional relationships. Well, really for any relationships at all. Like you need to feel like your person, your partner really has you and is wanting to understand you and validates your fears rather than says that they're wrong for having them or wrong for having your desires. So I find that to be really helpful in this nuance, in this negotiation piece.
0: Yeah. I I love that a lot. I, um, as she's talking about that, I was thinking about our foursome situation.
2: Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> to
0: talk about things that went wrong you didn't think we're going to. We um, <laughs> we had our first foursome. So it was me and two other girls and Connor. And I, we had been talking about this for about a, a long year time. and a half yeah. um, and it finally like came together and with two great people and we were like this is awesome and I actually surprised him with it and so the girls and I like planned this whole thing and it was so I was so excited and I was just like yes finally because I have been talking about this and all the different things that I want to <laughs> happen and all of a sudden like we're all in bed together and I am sitting on one of the girls faces and I am <laughs> holding on to and I am sobbing. I am just full on sobbing and I feel Mm -hmm. awful. I hate the whole experience. I'm so upset. I'm also at the time on IVF fertility hormones. So I was a crazy person and didn't realize that that was going to affect me in that way. Um, and I'm just, I'm sitting there and Connor's over here with this other girl. I'm sitting on this one's face. I'm sobbing. I'm like having this internal battle of like, what do I do? I don't want to upset him. I fucking planned this. This was my idea. I don't want to upset the girls. This is their first time. Like it's a whole thing. And I finally, I had to like pull it. And I was like, I got up and I was like, Connor, we have to go downstairs. And he went downstairs with me. And I told him what I was feeling. And as irrational and like chaotic as it was, because it was definitely a lot of hormones going on. I was just so grateful that I pulled the plug and was honest because I, part of me was like, just keep going, like, just do it. Yeah. And that would have been the worst self-betrayal of all time. And I don't know how you pull yourself out of that. It was hard enough with the way things happened, but I, I mean, he was so supportive. The girls were so amazing. It ended up being like this really great bonding of friends of like, yeah, this didn't go the way we thought it would, but like, we're here for you. Right. And so I learned a lot in that moment that sometimes you just have to pull the plug and honor yourself, even if you are going to potentially upset other people, including your partner, and that there are renegotiations that can happen and it's not the end of the world. There's there's chapters and ebbs and flows in life. And mm-hmm. just because you think something in your head is going to be amazing, doesn't always mean that in person is going to be the best thing ever.
1: <laughs> sure. And with that too, I love how you, how you explained, okay, you're on, you're on hormone medication. So that's, going to change your boundary too, because that's going to change your emotional availability. And so that's where like boundaries aren't rigid, fixed walls. They are dynamic just as much as we are. And so when we can check in with ourselves, I love using these three questions beforehand. Um, How does this, how does this feel for me? And then during the middle of this, does this still feel good for me? And then after, did that feel good for me? because that's constantly checking in with your dynamic nature of who you are as a person. And here in this moment, you made that realization of, it no longer feels good for me. And so it no longer is a win-win. And so for you to be able to give yourself that permission of, nope, we just hit this. I need to put a pause. Girl, I've I've even had full-on crying sessions in the middle of an orgy of like starting to, and then bawling. And then, but what that happened similarly to what happened to you is everybody came around me and I'm like mascara all over my lingerie. And I'm like, Oh my God. But it turned into such a beautiful, um, a a beautiful tightening and intimate bonding experience that, that changed forever. Our little orgy (laughs) friendship (laughs) moving forward. So it can also be incredibly beautiful to invite that that mess in. Um, there's something very raw and erotic around around that as well. <laughs> uh babe, how are you been sleeping?
2: Um, I was it's been good except for last night.
0: What happened last night?
2: The Dio got in bed at like four in the morning. He did? Yeah, and he was in between my legs and I was so oh. confused. I thought he was a pillow and then I like kicked him and it was I didn't mean <laughs> like not hard, but I like and I was in this really weird like pretzel shape because he was like under my feet and I rolled over. It was, it was weird.
0: You were very tossy and turny last night. You know why though? Because you didn't take your cured. Didn't? No. I didn't give it to you.
2: What'd you give me then?
0: I didn't give you anything. Did you roofie me? I Maybe.
2: <laughs> a little
0: frisky. Um, babe, but real talk. We've been sleeping so well thanks to cured then and their new nightcaps. The magic blend.
2: Yeah, it's a special experience, I would say. <laughs> what? Why is that funny? Can I not have special
0: experiences? Yeah, I love your special experience.
2: What is the problem here? I'm trying to read an ad for this company. It's a great company here with great products. They Can do you keep it together products. and be a professional?
0: Uh, no, well, I know. Sh- I try and share
2: my experience with this, this, why I ended with my this mag- show. magnificent substance I that I put in my a body. Would you pl- just let me do the ad, please? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. Anyway, so Cure Nutrition's <laughs> super dope, and <laughs> what are you laughing at me for, Kelly? You act like I don't read ads like eight times a week.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, I have never slept better. I was already taking Zen, and then they dropped. These nightcaps.
2: Thirty milligrams of CBD, five milligrams of CBN, and one point five milligrams of THC. That good
0: oh, good. so he does listen, just not to me. I only listen when to men. Joe speaks. I
2: listen to men that have tattoos and muscles.
0: Same, Yay. Um, <laughs> It is. It is truly incredible. I've been telling everyone it's. A, it's a better version of melatonin. So I'm someone who has taken melatonin on and off. Fuck melatonin, the years. dude.
2: Melatonin is some bitch shit. But it
0: makes Connor feel awful and super hungover and just cloudy. And I have similar effects sometimes. I really just do um, heroin and, and I and do something like that. Don't think that I sleep super well. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think my sleep is consistent. And since we've been taking this, we have both said this is ridiculous, Like, what the fuck is in this?" I literally texted the founder of the company. I said, "What the fuck did you put inside of this?" And he said, "I know." So we would love for you guys to try this out. Um, you can go to the link in the show notes and uh, use the code OK, babe, and you'll get 10 percent off. Don't forget to get the Zen and the nightcaps together, Merging joy) I would love to talk about orgies and your little friend group because mm. you did mention that when we were on your show <laughs> briefly. Um, not something that I've ever participated in, but I would love to know what that experience has been like for you and and what that's brought forward.
1: Sure, sure. Okay, so I'll speak for myself because I also want to honor the sanctity and the privacy of their of you know of, of their um, piece as well. For me, it's been a a small group of friends where we all love to get together and, and, yeah, engage sexually and with the intention of exploration and play and trying things out, sexual healing. So let's say somebody wants to practice, you know, say I want to practice my skills of going down on a woman, <laughs> you know, then that's provided. You know, we talk about boundaries, we talk about consent every single time, and we talk about what are our desires. And so in those desires, how can we support each other in fulfilling that desire in each and every experience? And so what that's turned into is like this, this container of, uh, yeah, personal sexual evolution expansion. And I've seen witnessed people to be able to reach, uh, including myself, deeper layers of surrender in their body, Um, healing past traumas, healing past fears or anxieties around performance or around sex or around intimacy, Um, to be able to witness how you can have deeply satisfying sexual experiences with friends and it still remain friends. You know, there's, there isn't the, Uh, I want something more from you. I want to have a committed partnership with you. I, there's so much honoring. And, and I also think that the qualities that make that group that way are, you know, there is a level of independence and sovereignty. There is a level of everybody doing and actively doing their self-work. There's a level of communication and, uh, agency and consent. That all supports the the sustaining of that um, of that dynamic.
2: I can see how with friends that would be much. Di- I, it's so funny. Sex is such a funny thing, or just sexuality in general. Where, <laughs> like, I can see how what, everything you're saying can happen when it comes to friends. But I also see that sex with strangers or people you don't really know that well—not necessarily strangers—but like that also feels safe in a very similar way. That was what I was something I was drawing as you were as you were talking about that. It's like somebody you don't really know, so it has no idea and maybe you'll never see again, right? Especially when you're traveling or doing whatever, you know? It's like, well, then you have, a, there's a freedom in, like, this person's not going to judge me because they don't even know who the fuck I really am. Like, they're just this person in my life for a day or whatever, two days or a week or whatever. And then, I honestly think that's, like, a safer, or a, an easier, a lower barrier to entry place for, like, self-exploration. That's what I used to talk about back in the day is, like, the power of casual dating and, like, these kind of shorter relationships that are casual sexual relationships where you can kind of test some things out and Test consent and conversations and having these kind of, you know, just like it's it's a, it's a, um, a lower risk environment, but with friends, I think it's really interesting because you really know these people. So then you have, you have like relationships outside of the sexual relationship that are, that, I mean, it's also so much more, I would say intimacy is, is one thing that you don't really get from like those more casual things where there is this kind of like caring and compassion for one another. Um, that could, I could see how they could really challenge in a good way. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some openness to some different things.
1: Yeah. And it's really different for everyone, right? I actually feel a lot safer with friends because there is that uh, intimacy piece. I probably haven't had sex with somebody that I haven't developed a, an intimate bond in a while. And mainly for a couple of reasons, um, it is a part of my erotic accelerator as uh, to be able to have that intimacy piece. I actually turn get turned on and aroused even more. With somebody that I've developed that with, um, I've had many women who tell me that they also need that too, in order to feel safe. And part of that is by the, because of the cultural conditioning of, you know, quote unquote, men will, can be dangerous or take something from you. Or, you know, there's, there's some of that, that may be impeding somebody from being able to fully surrender. And, and of course they can surrender enough for good sex. But for like the deep, satisfying, like soul shaking type of things, like if I know somebody and I feel safe with them, I can, I can definitely surrender more easily.
2: Oh, it's two completely different situations yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, it comes back to the question of discernment, the person tuning into them themselves and then tuning into the uh, context of who are these people that I'm engaging with? How do I personally feel? What's the feelings inside of me? Yeah. do I need?
0: As you have sort of embarked on this yourself, what, what has come forward as red flags over time where you Mm -hmm. have realized maybe this isn't the right situation for me, you know, the cowgirl situation where you learn (laughs) about this girl coming in and stealing your guy. And it's like a whole thing. And you, you learn about, okay, I should have trusted myself and like leaned into my gut reaction was this doesn't feel right to me. What are some of the other things that have come forward, maybe, you know, even with friends in an orgy situation or in relationships with people where you've stepped back or changed how you approach this?
1: Mm. Oh, wow. That's a great question. The thing that initially comes to my mind is uh, in the, in the past, when I was first starting out in more of this exploration, I was doing all the research. I was reading all the books, all the podcasts. I was I was the one who was always initiating the conversations. I was always the one who was, you know, well, this is something that I think we need to, to address or prepare for. And my partners at the time were not, their hands were off. They were more of receiving everything that I brought into it. And it's not something that you can make somebody do. Like you can't make anybody as much as we might believe that we can make somebody want to do the work and want to do the research. You can't. And so I now know that I want somebody who's reciprocating the efforts and the energy. I don't want to be the one that's holding all of it. I know that I might be the one to inspire those conversations to beginning, especially if it's somebody that hasn't explored in that way, but I want to also be watching that I'm not being the one to run the whole thing. Um, so that's been really important for me. I also am mindful of observing the difference between somebody who says, uh, I'm open to leaning into that. Okay. That's something that you, that you engage in. You're non-traditional. I'm open to leaning into that versus somebody that is like, um, Ooh, that, that sounds really fun. I definitely want to do that. And that isn't to say to X out the person who's like, I'm willing to lean into that. It's just also to observe, okay, do they do their own research or do they um, act on their curiosity or their interest of, of that? Or are they just saying that in order to keep you in a relationship or to do a relationship with you? And so I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a red flag, but just something to be conscious of, consciously aware of. Gosh, those are the big pieces. I would also say to be aware of people's attuning to your partner. So attuning means uh, communicating and reading somebody's nonverbal communication. So sometimes we'll be saying something, but our whole body will be clenched. Or we'll quickly say something. Or, you know, there's all these nuances that, that are spoken that aren't being spoken verbally. And so when you're picking up something in your intuition, in your somatic um, experience, you don't have to invite the person into a conversation. Hey, I'm noticing this, or I'm noticing that you said that, or, or I'm noticing that you just um, you know, clenched at that. And I'm, I'm curious about what's there. The person may or may not be conscious to that. They may not have yeah. done the work to be aware of that. And we can't, we have to be careful not to try to enroll somebody into a process that they, that they aren't either aren't consenting to, or they aren't connected to. And I think sometimes we keep pushing and we keep pushing and we keep trying to making the person to get into a process that they just literally, like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, so I think that's important to, again, not necessarily a red flag, but just to be aware of. Um, patience is really important in any type of, of relationship, but especially non-traditional, but so is being able to express how something is impacting you. So maybe this other person isn't connected with their internal, um, landscape and their internal process, but that doesn't need to stop you from expressing, Hey, I'm noticing that I'm feeling this way, or I'm noticing that my nervous system is getting fluttery or I'm feeling um, uh, ungrounded. And, um, and I would like to talk about what's going on in me. And so that could inspire the other person. Um, or if it doesn't, then you need to consider whether this is a relationship that, that will be sustainable for you and supportive for you in the way you need.
2: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've been in situations where I felt like Everything was kind of out of my hands, and I had zero agency in it. And it's the most uncomfortable and like disempowering mm-hmm. feeling that that exists on the planet. Yeah. It was the worst. It's, the, it's it's so it's so especially in that situation when there's like a lot of kind of reliance on a person in an unhealthy way to not fuck you up. You know what I mean? Like this, to like oh hey, this person's like I'm, I care about this person. Like they're not gonna be a complete asshole. And then. That all like spins on a dime, you know, and then you're in a situation where you're like, um, I don't really want to be here. And I feel like I can't say a goddamn thing about it. And it's, yeah. that's, it's, it's rough, man. It's a weird, it's a weird place to be in, especially when you feel like somebody else is pulling the strings in your relationship. It's like not, not fun.
0: But how did you get into that dynamic? Why were you so out of power?
2: Well, I mean, I gave a lot of that away. I know, you know but I mean? why? Because I wasn't the leader of the whole situation. It wasn't, it was, it was, it was someone else's framework. For what relationship should be that I was partaking in mm-hmm. in this you know quote unquote tribe of people um, that all also you know had one source of income which was the leader of the group so your livelihood is kind of on the line So you got to walk a line there and then <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's like well if you don't do it's the same thing we were talking about earlier on if you don't do this there's then then you ha- then you have a problem understanding and purging your own jealousy or insecurity or whatever it is, right? Like you haven't, you're not good enough if you don't. So it's like you get in a situation where it's like, well, I want to grow and I want to like be better. So I should put myself through this shit that I have zero interest in being a part of. Like I would prefer that these D list celebrities don't try and fuck my girlfriend. I think they're fucking lame. You know it'd be, it'd be different if it was like, Hey, I'd be open to this. If I was like, if I respected the person and I was like, I had the capacity to be open to it, but it was like, not on my, none of it was on my terms at yeah. all. And that was really interesting. And then if I would go do the same thing in inverse, I was then again, the problem. So no matter what I did, I was the problem, right? Either right. I wasn't being compassionate or caring enough for the other person and what their desires were. But whenever I would like say, okay, I'm going to take some, I'm going to take some initiative and, Achieve my own desires out here. Well, then that was a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. It
2: was weird. It was a. It was. It was like it, it was. A it bind. was. A tra- it was a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. Yeah, you're in a pickle. Like there's not really any way to go. It was very, very <laughs> a interesting. Very
1: unsexy pickle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's the least. It's the least sexy thing ever, too. It like it, it'll. It, yeah, but then you end up having like really good sex after because of all the tension and anger, and then that ends up like it's just a, it's and just fucks a, you up in
0: a whole other way. Yeah, it's a
2: weird right. situation, man. And that's what I tell people like, no, say like my friend that reached out, it was saying that there's like, you got to find the overlap. Like, where do you guys overlap and like what you want? Like, what do you want? What does he want? Where's the overlap? Where can you kind of like, cause I think the thing that people aren't honest about is this shit can go South so fucking fast and you may not even know it until it's way too late. And people don't acknowledge, don't want to acknowledge that it's weird. It's like, well, you're doing something that is, you know, more evolved. And I know we keep saying that, but it's like, yeah, it's hard to really balance it all out.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the piece there that I really want to highlight in your experience is that when you don't have agency, you were coming from a place of, there's a part of you that really wants to preserve the connection, the relationship, even the sense of belonging in that group, so to say. And so sometimes we do these, these actions uh, as ways to protect and the ways to preserve none of us, it's painful to feel rejection. It's painful to, um, to no longer belong or lose a relationship. And so can we find more compassion around that versus just blaming our partner for having these feelings or these reactions? Can we get curious about what's behind that? What is the vulnerable need that's behind these reactions versus just saying, straight up red flag, you're out, (laughs) but, but taking the time to really understand. Similarly, I think three very, very important components, uh, for any of these relationships, any relationship in general, but especially these relationships, um, honesty, being able to tune into and identify your own inner process so that you can communicate that, uh, consent meaning that you are a, you and your partner are both able to give permission for access to what is theirs, whether it's their body or something that they own an agency, which is the, the, um, sense of us to be able to make decisions for ourselves, make decisions for what we want and what we need for ourselves. And so when those three, cause all of them are interrelated as well, if you miss one of those, then you can't have the other ones. So that will really impact our ability to be in a relationship and a relationship that takes care of us as much as it takes care of the other person. Their needs Mm -hmm. or their emotions don't have to make logical sense. Love and relationships don't make logical sense, but it's like we keep looking for the figuring out the logical sense. And some of it is just like, I, I just, I don't feel good about that person. And is it okay that I don't feel good about that person? Can I set a boundary around that? And will you honor and respect that or even just get curious about it and work through it with me? Or do you dismiss me, minimize me and make me feel like shit for having that, having that request? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It feels like a lot of what Connor has told me from his past experiences is there's just so much manipulation and yeah. gaslighting involved in a lot of these relationships. And we've we've heard it from people that we know and who are going through it now where it's really difficult. And I think one of the most important things is to allow the other person to have their experience, even if you don't fully understand it. That's something that Connor and I do even outside of sex is we are very different people. We think very differently. And so often I'm like, I don't get you. I don't get your mind. I don't get your decision-making. Like none of this makes sense to me. And the same to me, he's like, no, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why you feel this way. And that can be really difficult sometimes, but what I think we've done a better job of in this whole experience is learning that we don't necessarily need to understand it, but to have love and compassion for that person in whatever that they're in whatever process they're going through. Yeah. Because I'm never going to be him and he's never going to be me, but we love each other. We want the other person to be fulfilled and happy. So how can we really listen and hear them and honor where they are and then come to some sort of agreement based on what those feelings are, even if they're on completely opposite ends of the spectrum?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. And so there's permission to be, to be you, which I think we all need (laughs) rather than again, this perfect poly partner. Eh, just yeah. minimize yeah. it and suppress it to show up as how I need you to <laughs> <laughs> ain't
0: gonna work I think it's really interesting yeah exactly I think it's really interesting too I I was thinking about this while you guys were talking it feels like so many people especially our age are moving into this, it feels like we're just going back to the seventies in like this free love movement where I think a lot of us have seen how monogamy in many ways, even with our own parents made no sense. And they, I mean, I remember saying to my parents 15 years before things got really bad, like you shouldn't be together. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Right. And I just had a poor example of what a marriage looked like. And I think we've seen a lot of our friends get divorced or are going through really hard times right now. And I'm just curious if both of you feel like there is sort of this movement into people being more open to non-traditional relationships and what that looks like and why that's happening.
1: Yeah, I see that we are moving through a massive sexual awakening right now. And for many different reasons. I mean, part of it is women are speaking up more about their sexuality, which this is interesting. So research says that women, uh, more women initiate the conversation around open relationships than men do. And I see that more in my, in my practice too. In fact, every single client or student of mine, it was initiated by the women, which is so bizarre because I have many (laughs) clients and students, but I don't think it's uh, maybe one person, one couple, it was initiated by the guy, but that that's it. And so research says that too and also um how skewed that image is because of this patriarchal idea of like men are more sexual than women but that's not true. We've been fed this male model around sex and how arousal the cycle of arousal and we've been applying our own sexuality to this male model and that's inaccurate. Like our our Well female- that mo- that model mm-hmm.
2: was that model was built by men. That model was built by men so I don't really know why mm-hmm. they would feel co- co- it's funny what men were felt competent in in, yeah. in displaying with zero personal experience, it's like maybe you should ask a woman like <laughs> what they think. Maybe you should actually have a woman ask a woman so you
1: get a bit yeah. more honest answer. <laughs> Novel <Normal laughs> idea back then. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, right. <laughs> so there's that movement. There's also a lot more talk about it on podcasts. You know, we have more access to podcasts, internet. Um, there's more sex educators that are out there. Unfortunately, we're also still being censored drastically around what we can talk about. But then we also all the way up to the pandemic pandemic was a passive catalyst for, for sexual evolution because then there's again, many layers there. But what I saw is a lot of couples came into my office and their polarity was dead because they were in both in the house all day, every day, 24, seven, there was no mystery. There was no, there was no change in routine. There was no, there was a bunch of PJs kids running around the house and being in the same two rooms all day. So a lot of people coming into therapists and coming into coaches to self-evolve or to take a look at what was going, what wasn't working in their relationship. So people were challenging what they previously knew. And then added to that, and I'm pretty sure this has something to do with it too, but you look at some of the CDC guidelines and some of the announcements to the mandates in the cities, and sometimes they they would literally say sex parties or orgies or, um, and I, I'm forgetting the actual words, but of more than six people or more than 10 people, or, you know, there was something, something really bizarre about that. And so it also inspired a lot of comedians bringing that forward And then people talking about, well, who's having these orgies? Like, what is this really happening? Like, this is just, I thought this was a fantasy thing or an underground thing, but they're actually happening everywhere. How come I'm not a part of that? So I think it also just started more conversations and I'm hearing from so many people that they're opening their relationships or they're trying something out or sex parties are happening even more. They're popping up and I'm I'm getting invited to I'm kind of like, uh, you know, like they're just happening everywhere. And and whether that's for good or bad, because I don't know how consciously held those can some of those containers are. Uh, but it, it I think everybody's having it's it's in the field. It's in the air. Um the collective conversation is happening. So I think it's, it's activating people's curiosity and um, people are at least ask, asking questions about it, whether they're actually um, acting on it or not.
2: Yeah, I think there's like a broader conversation too about institutions and ideas and standards. I think what thing that the, the pandemic did, which could be considered good if it depends on which way you look at it and who you are but it's like everybody just realized how much fuckery and bullshit there is that we like live our lives by. And I think that framework and mindset is contagious to like, it's, it's, it spreads, it's pervasive in your, in your mind. Right. It's like, and I feel like this is where I found gratitude for like growing up a Christian and being ashamed to jerk off. Right. Like that stuff was hard for me to get through, but once I got in of like, okay, I'm going to like radically question this thing that I've kind of believed forever for no reason, aside from the fact that I was just kind of there. Um, I developed skills that I could start like um, critically questioning all kinds of shit, whether it be government structures or relationship styles or whatever it may be. Right, like, well, there's a way that people like do it. There's like the normal way, but is that the right way? Is that the way that I want to do it? Do I have ever like did I ever actually choose to live by this like this morality guideline or this I you know ideology? And if I didn't choose it, then I would start to question it. And it came out of that place of like I'm being critical about this this belief system that i was a big part of my identity now it's not and because of that i gained the skills to like start questioning other things and i think through this through the pandemic a lot of people were like wow a lot of this shit makes absolutely no sense <laughs> and you get in that framework and you're like wow what else makes absolutely no fucking sense in my life you're like, huh. And then you just it's like it's it's just like it's kind of like what they did was force curiosity on the masses.
1: Yeah. Because what <laughs> else were we gonna, gonna do? Either you either sit you, there and listen to ourselves yeah, in our own either, head. You, yeah.
2: You became either hyper uh, compliant and 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 found virtue through that. Or you be, you got told that you were an outsider and you are a problem, which just made you more curious and like, well, I guess I'm going to accept that identity because that's what everybody on on the Twitter's saying that I am. So I'm just going to do that now. And I'm going to, you know, and it's a it's just a completely different framework. And I'm curious over the next several years how that's going to go down because we live in a place where like less people get married, less people have kids, less people trust our institutions. It's like we're in a situation where it's like we're in the chaos between some kind of new stability. That's different than it was five years ago mm-hmm. and a world away from what it was 50 years ago. And that's, that's cool, but also kind of scary in some ways, because you have these frameworks and guidelines that have kind of been the foundation of our society being rocked. And I find that beneficial because I've already done that in my own personal life. So when it happens on the society scale, I'm like, okay, I've been here. I know how to deal with it, but most people freak the fuck out. And they feel threatened, right? Like the, the 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 more conservative minded people right now feel very threatened by everything that goes on that kind of challenges their ideology. That's how people respond when they've had the dominant cultural cultural ideology for the history of the country, right? So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, they're on shaky ground. But then also, there's good and bad sides to that when you when you dive the world into chaos and this, even if the structure was kind of silly, like it did provide a framework for some kind of stability in the culture. Well, that's the, not good things come out of that too. Just like when you start to challenge a relationship and you get off the beaten path and you got to go like take a machete to the forest and try to find your own path, bad shit can happen. It's almost guaranteed to happen. And there's a lot of variables in that, which if you're akin to that kind of shit, that's awesome. That makes it way more fun and way you're way more present in it. But for a lot of people, it's just straight up terrifying.
1: Right. And I feel, <laughs> and I feel like, like
2: we're in a really interesting place. I don't, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like because of exactly what you're sharing we've lost, and I'm saying we as a, as a collective, uh, we've lost this skill of discernment for ourselves, you know, this right judgment in ourselves and what's right for us. We've lost this skill of critical thinking for ourselves. We're turning to other people to speak for us and to make the decisions for us, which in a sense creates a sense of safety because, uh, well, what if I'm wrong? What if I do something wrong? What if I'm bad? You know, it, it it's, we have all these internal beliefs that, 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 um, it risks (laughs) that, that can be scary for us. So it is quote unquote, easier to let somebody else speak for us and, and, um, rather than to figure out what it is that we need, because now we have the responsibility of doing something about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, Kat, I would love for you to speak to this. We've talked about this ourselves, um, quite a bit, but I would love to hear your experience and maybe that of your clients in this, the non-traditional relationships. Yes sexual. It is sexual in nature, right? Like we get to fuck other people and have these novel experiences and it's super cool. For me and Connor, we've talked a lot about how there's layers and layers beneath that. And it's Mm -hmm. not just about the sex. It's about expressing ourselves in different ways. It's about getting to be different parts of ourselves than we normally are with our partner in a day-to-day environment, especially in a pandemic when you're just together all the time and you want to kill each other. You get to just be different versions of yourself and feel more fully you. And you get to have these different experiences than, than you would just with one person. And for us, it's just, I think it lights us up in so many different ways, which is what keeps us going when I'm feeling like, oh my God, why are we doing this? This is so scary. And I'm like, remember who you get to be. Remember mm-hmm. how full you feel. Um, and you get to be more sexually satisfied. So what has that been for you?
1: yeah, okay. so a couple of a couple of things I want to touch on first. So non-traditional relationships don't have to be sexually outside. So it can also be deeply emotionally intimate um it, with another person and go over to their house and cuddle with them and snuggle with them and and be all up in their energy and then go home and have sex with your partner too. So I really want to emphasize that you get this is a designer relationship. You get to create whatever is accurate for you. So I have some people who are monopoly, meaning one person is more, is monogamous to their partner and might engage more emotionally with other people, intimately with other people. And then their partner is more sexual with other people. And so that's still a win-win for both of them because it's meeting both of their needs in the way that that's authentic to them as well. The interesting um, piece about when you're engaging with other people emotionally, intimately, or sexually you have a different alchemy with that you and the other person because what's activated in you by this person may be a very playful, like silly part. And then with your partner, it's more of like a, a serious, sacred, uh, tantric inspired type of type of sex or self that comes out, like a very ritualistic type of person that comes out of you. And so what I see is that the people outside can be muses or inspirations or catalysts for you discovering this new part of you. Now, then from that, we get to discover okay, that person might have been the inspiration and catalyst, but I'm the one that's sourcing it. So now I've accessed this new reference point of another part of me that I can continue to nurture. Um, if that relationship, for whatever reason, dissolves or transitions into something else, Um, I can, I still nurture that part of me. And so how does that look for me to continue to nurture that part of me? Um, I have this access to this new playful person. Can I bring this into this relationship with my other person? Can I feed the sexual energy that, that came outside of my relationship back into this partnered relationship? Um, and sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no for again, different contextual reasons. Uh, but either way you have discovered this new part of you and how do you, how are you going to take care of it now that you've discovered it? I think that's really important. I do see in, um, that in order to maintain the sexual relationship with you and your partner, how important it is to then continue to source that relationship with your eroticism, uh, your erotic energy that might be activated elsewhere. How are you bringing it back into the relationship? However. I've also worked with many couples that after opening the relationship, they don't want to put that energy back into their marriage or back into their committed relationship. And that's okay too. Can we allow permission for that too? For both of these people um, in these different situations, I've had this multiple times. They came to the conclusion of we are perfect life partners. We are perfect um, husband and wife or committed partners here, and we just aren't desiring that sexual aspect with each other anymore. And so we're going to continue to get that satisfied elsewhere while still being in this marriage or being in this committed relationship. And it actually made their marriage or their committed relationship even deeper and more potent and amazing for years. <laughs> and it's still like that. But I think, again, that's that's important for them to break the uh, or demystify the uh, the concept of marriage and what that means or life partner. And what does that mean? Because you're not even necessarily I think people are afraid, oh, they, they fall in love with this person outside and then they're going to leave me for that. But you have to remember that there are skills involved in living with a person with a person. There are skills involved with having a <laughs> oh, life yes, partner. Oh, yes, there are. Yeah, and that's not going to mean that if you have amazing, epic, cosmic, soul-shattering sex with this other person, that they're going to make a great life partner or live-in partner. So these are considerations to make as well when you're designing the relationship that works for you.
0: It's, it's so really fun. easy to live with me, and It's so simple, right, Yeah, Cohen? it's
2: pretty good. Um <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's funny because Kelly Kelly gets there. She's like, I just get the the typical, like, you're going to leave me for this person. I'm like, honestly, by design, and this isn't, I don't think it's even that intentional, but just like the way it works out is that whenever I am attracted to somebody outside of our relationship and I bring it in, it's never somebody that I would really want to like. It's not, it's not, it would never even work. It's not even feasible. It's like, this is not even within the realm of this that's not ever what this would have been if you didn't exist this mm-hmm. wouldn't have been what you think what your fear is that it would be yeah so it's funny for me cuz i'm like yeah i get that i get i t- that's a f- totally 1000% rational view but f- on my end knowing myself and my like own personal reality reasonably well um i'm like well that's not what this that's not what what's what this is (laughs) that's not what's going on here Mm -hmm. but i can see how that can be really hard to wrap your mind around but are you
0: but are you and i kind of know the answer to this but are you consciously going out and choosing people that you wouldn't want that with
2: yeah i think so but also it's a different it's a different value proposition as far as like what you're attracting what you're looking for what vibe you're putting out this it's a different than like when i met you it's a different it's a completely different thing but i also was probably on a date like a week or two before I met you, and it was like I was a it was a different thing. You know what I mean? It's just like how do you show up for a thing that that that's going to kind of it kind of self selects just by how you show up for the thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not really, and then also it's pretty clear early on that that's not really what this is. Right? We're not inviting cowgirls into this thing, and even if that was, it would, that would end poorly for them. It was just it's just one of those things where it's like if that's not, I get the fear, but look for my end, I'm like it's silly, but, but it's I, also not.
0: But I think cat to his to his point is I don't think that everyone is necessarily that conscious when they're doing that. Like he's been doing this for a hot minute and I feel like he has an awareness around how to be and how to like conduct himself and how, you know, he lays it all out for people in the very beginning. Like this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. So there it's the transparency is there where I feel and I'm guessing, cause I don't know as well as you do, but I'm guessing that not everyone does that. And so when you just like blast yourself open, you're like, I'm open, like, come on in people. (laughs) Then you could be finding others who could potentially be something more than that. And maybe that wasn't necessarily your intention, but you didn't create an energetic boundary for yourself. So then you're inviting in all this stuff. And then you're kind of left in another uncomfortable pickle of, oh shit, I didn't want that, but now it's here. And now I'm confused.
1: Yeah. And let me preface this with sometimes the relationship, you, you do open the relationship and sometimes it does turn out where that person will enter into relationship outside of it. And I've worked with people where that was the case too. And then we worked together, me and everyone involved about the transition. And so it's transitioning with love and it's transitioning, not ending, you know, cutting the relationship, but how do we stay in love and transition the relationship style here so it can all be done consciously connected with love and also with our wounds and our pains and our fears coming up because that's also very human as well um so i do want to preface that with it you go into these and that doesn't ensure that the relationship is going to to stay And that's with any relationship, right? Relationships dissolve all the time for a plethora of reasons. And sometimes we evolve differently than the other person or we need something differently, whatever. It's all valid. And it's even though it's painful, it's, it's, it's okay too. You're going to be okay. Um, however, the, I really, really emphasize working with a therapist or working with a coach who is who who specializes in in non-traditional relationships. And I don't mean somebody who's just affirmative and saying, "Yeah, I'm welcome in accepting of all relationship styles" because they aren't going to have the education to be able to hold you during some of these some of these common experiences that come up. I've had so many therapists or, uh, yeah, therapists, especially on podcasts. I've heard their conversations. I've heard um, them talk about these types of relationships never work. And I've never seen it in my practice. And I'm like, bitch, that's because you're not a poly therapist. You're not, you haven't been in that. You don't have the education to be able to hold that. (laughs) You try to work with those relationships like you do every type of relationship. And it's, that's not honoring the unique elements of these relationships to be, to be able to help them succeed through that or transition the way that they need to. And so, um, I do think having a third party person to hold that container for you is really helpful. Um, also just, or, and, or, because if your partner isn't wanting to do that for whatever reason, or it's not affordable, Um, are you doing your own self-work your own so that you can understand your discernment more effectively? Are you learning skills to be able to non-violently communicate? Are you learning about your own wounds, your own child missing experiences, your own fears so that you understand how those play out in your patterns of communication or protection or, um, ensuring uh, the relationship is preserved. Like that helps you to be able to become conscious so that you can do it the way that Connor was was eloquently putting there. But it's um it's it is going to require that you that you do a YOU U U turn into yourself to know what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: It's so good. Well, Kat, this was amazing. Love your insight and perspective. We appreciate you so much. Um, I want you to tell everyone about your book. I forgot to bring it out here. It's in my office. Oh, oh my um, God. But tell everyone
1: about your book. Oh. Oh. Yay. So, yes, my <laughs> book is called Sex, Love, Yoga, and it is psychological themes around sex, love and yoga, yoga being the medium through which you can evolve your relationships and your sexuality. And it it is primarily put in the context of poems. So all of these contexts and poetic framework, followed by a psychological analysis of the things that I present and the things that we need to sit with to understand our own personal programming. So that is available yeah. on Amazon and all the drawings, all the writings is done by moi. <laughs> I'm really excited by it. Yes. I loved <laughs>
0: that. I didn't realize you had done all the drawings and mm-hmm. I was um, reading it and I'm like, God, this is so beautiful. The poems are beautiful. Mm-hmm. The Drawings are so beautiful. I just, I love what you've created. It's, mm-hmm. it's really good.
1: Thank you. I believe that sex is like poetry. So I have this very artistic part of me and I, um, how can I fuse the academic part of me with this artistic fluid feeling, emotional part of me as well. (laughs) So good.
0: Thank you, Kat. We love you.
1: I love you too.